This is Unmind with Great Cloud Michael Elliston Roshi. Zen and Zazen. Zen versus Zazen. They are not the same, and yet not separate either. Hello, Holarchy. In this segment of Unmind, I would like to return to the basics of Zen. After a foray into some of the darker topics of the times, in particular, the horrific conditions of global strife in which we find ourselves immersed these days. It's a bit like being trapped in the middle of a train wreck where we cannot turn our gaze away. Life has always existed on the edge of death, aging and sickness, the three cardinal marks of dukkha or suffering. Buddha's sine qua non of the conditions of existence as a sentient being. But the sheer enormity of wasteful, infuriating carnage being inflicted upon human beings by other human beings in current hotspots around the globe, not to mention the local wildlife, livestock, and pet animals, has exceeded all bounds of dysfunctional perversity. It seems a vestigial throwback to more primitive times, and is beginning to look like proof positive of the apocalyptic vision of some religions, the prince of darkness, evil personified, indeed has dominion over the earth, at least for now. The great deceiver is parading around in the guise of political leaders of supposedly enlightened government celebrating the targeted collapse of civilization everywhere they direct their ire. In this context, it may seem irresponsible and even insane to turn our attention to examining the fundamentals of Buddhism and Zen, which encourage studying the self, forgetting the self, and hopefully realizing the true meaning and purpose of our existence, when the people actually doing the damage are the least likely to have any such inclination to self-examination, let alone any realization of compassionate insight for others. But as they say, when the oxygen masks drop because the airplane is losing altitude, put yours on first, or you will not be able to help others. And Zen, Zazen, is your oxygen mask. Zen is unequal to Zazen, is unequal to meditation. Zen is not equal to Zazen, and Zazen is not equal to meditation, as commonly understood. Zazen is not the same as other meditations, and the term Zen should not be considered interchangeable with Zazen. It may seem heretical to propose that Zen is not equal to Zazen or that Zazen does not fit the Western cultural definition of meditation. But bear with me. 
There are so many alternative styles of meditation today that it is past time to differentiate Zen's method from the rest. And to clarify that, while Zen and Zazen cannot be separated, the terms are not interchangeable. Zen is not synonymous with its meditation method, Zazen, simply because there is so much more to Zen as a way of life, a philosophy, and as a formative force throughout history. This has primarily been true of the history of the East, but following its introduction to America in the late 1890s, and especially after World War II, Westerners in general, and Americans in particular, have become more and more interested in Zen, along with a parallel engagement with other meditative traditions and styles, such as yoga, as well as other Buddhist and non-Buddhist variations. Zen is known as the meditation sect of Buddhism, but Zazen is not its sole method of teaching. Zen boasts an extensive literature and liturgy on Buddha Dharma as experienced and expounded by its adherents, traditionally beginning with Bodhidharma's journey out of India and tracing its evolution through China, Korea, and Japan to the Far East. However, distribution of the Buddhist canon in the form of written sutras and commentaries had preceded the 28th patriarch by centuries, and his bringing Zen from the west to the east was definitely focused on the direct practice of upright sitting, or what we now refer to as Zazen, or more precisely, Shikantaza. Likewise, Zazen and Shikantaza may usefully be parsed as to their relative definitions as method and effect, respectively. More on this later. Zazen and Meditation The great sage's meditation practice inside that cave at Shaolin Monastery did not conform to the traditional style known as jhana, or contemplation, though this is how the local punditry interpreted his wall-gazing Zen. But he was not contemplating the wall. Jhana, in the classic definition, involves a subject or mind meditating upon an actual tangible object, such as a tree. In one famous example, from Hokyo Zammai, Precious Mirror Samadhi. If you wish to follow in the ancient tracks, please observe the sages of the past, one on the verge of realizing the Buddha way. Contemplated a tree for ten kalpas. Ten kalpas is a mighty long time. The entire universe passes through only four kalpas in its cycle, known variously as the empty kalpa or kalpa of formation, the kalpa of continuance, the kalpa of decline, and the kalpa of disintegration. So ten kalpas embrace two and a half cycles of universal evolution, long time. But we digress. 
Generally speaking, jhana, or contemplation meditation, continues until the observing mind finally runs out of ideas, exhausting all possible thoughts about the object, leaving a direct sensory awareness of the existential reality of what we call a tree, but without the overlay of conceptualization, categorization, and endless web of connections. Bodhidharma, by turning abruptly to face the wall of the mountain, was demonstrating not contemplation, but shikantaza, or objectless meditation, which amounts to a kind of oxymoron in conventional terms. Meditation is typically defined as focusing our attention on something, and so inherently implies a division of subject and object. If our direct experience in Zazen eventually becomes objectless, then by definition it must also become subjectless, which tellingly is not a recognized construction in English. Thus, the hyphenation. In the most salient sense, then, Zazen transcends normal meditation. We might say that we transcend from the personal dimensions of posture, breathing, and paying attention to the senses, as well as the machinations of the mind, the eye, ear, nose, tongue, body, mind of the Heart Sutra, to a subtle awareness of something less definitive, meditating upon the whole rather than any part. The observer is subsumed into the observed, like a holon in a holarchy. More on this later. Zen is phonetic Japanese for Chan, which is phonetic Chinese for the Sanskrit Jhana, one of the traditional six paramitas, or perfections, of Buddhism. Thus, because the origins of Zen meditation are not conflated with jhana, but as going beyond contemplation, Zen is actually a kind of misnomer, which is a good thing, because what Zen is pointing to cannot be named. In Taoism, there is a similar idea, paraphrasing, quote, Naming is the source of all particular things. That which is essentially real is nameless. Zazen and Shikantaza, as mentioned, can also usefully be parsed as to their relative functions as a method and effect, respectively. Holarchy and Holon I first came across the term holarchy, as opposed to the more familiar hierarchy, in the form of a book, The Essential Ken Wilbur, recommended by a member of the Suzuki lineage for its treatise on integral spirituality. The term holarchy was not coined by him, according to Google which, like the old magic oracles, you can ask anything. 
Arthur Kessler, author of the 1967 book The Ghost in the Machine, coined the term holarchy as the organizational connections between holons, from the Greek word for whole, which describes units that act independently but would not exist without the organization they operate within. Is a hierarchy a nested holarchy? Instead of everything being explained in terms of smaller bits and ultimate particles, which was the way science worked in the modern era, we can now think of the universe holistically, organized in a series of levels of organization, in a nested hierarchy or holarchy. At each level, things are both wholes and parts. Close quote. Some of the earliest examples of holarchic models may be found in the early teachings of Buddhism in the Four Noble Truths and the Eightfold Path, the Twelvefold Chain of Interdependent Co-Arising, the Five Aggregates and the Six Senses, and so on. My model of the four nested spheres of influence with personal at the center, surrounded by the social sphere, then the natural world, then the universal, is also like this, a holarchy. These sets of components are not meant to be understood as entirely separate and apart from each other, but intricately interrelated, to use one of Matsuoka Roshi's common expressions. In Zen, all seemingly disparate things are also connected. The ultimate expression of the current trope, both things can be true at the same time. We turn to Zazen in our daily lives in order to manifest a Zen life. Zen is the meditation sect of Buddhism, and Zazen is the heart of Zen. The method of Zazen is the main thing that we actually transmit from one generation to the next. It is the same in music and other arts and sciences. No one can teach another music as such, but someone can teach you how to play an instrument. It is up to you to find the music. Similarly, we can teach others this, quote, excellent method of Zazen, as Master Dogen defined it. It is up to them to find the Zen. The instrument we study and play in Zazen is the human body and mind, our essential inheritance enabling us to wake up fully, as did Buddha. Other species are not considered to have the level of consciousness necessary and sufficient to the challenge. Dogs may have Buddha nature, but like most humans, they may never realize it. Ironically, it seems that we have to stop playing the instrument of body-mind that is, give up our impulse to control everything 
in order to allow it to drop off, Japanese Shinjin Datsurak, to reveal our true nature, which is not limited to this body and mind. Body and mind are not separate and again, both can be true at the same time. That is, mind and body may seem to be of different categories, yet they are intricately interrelated. So sitting in Zazen may be considered a subset of Zen, which is all-encompassing, and thus the holon of Zazen is subsumed under the holon of Zen. But the necessity of Zazen as central to apprehending the larger sphere of Zen means that the two not only cannot be separated, but that the method cannot be separated from the larger effects, as in, quote, so minute it enters where there is no gap, so vast it transcends dimension. A hair's breadth deviation, and you are out of tune. This stanza from Xinxing Ming, Trust in Mind, by Master Kanchi Sosan, indicates another holarchy, that of the transcendent it of Zen and your personal relation to it. The slightest deviation on your part in resisting or missing the point of this all-embracing teaching is the primary source of your suffering. The basic idea of the asymmetrical nature of the relationship, of the holon of the I to that of the it of Buddhism, is more directly captured some 200 years later in Tozan Ryokai's Hokyo Zammai, Precious Mirror Samadhi. Quote, You are not it, but in truth, it is you. In Zazen, as well as in Zen writ large, we are embracing the directive from the first poem in which Master Sosan admonishes us paraphrasing. To move in the one way, do not reject even the world of senses and ideas. Indeed, embracing them fully is identical with true enlightenment. Stay tuned. Unmind is a production of the Atlanta Soto Zen Center in Atlanta, Georgia, and the Silent Thunder Order. Find us on the web at aszc.org. You can support these teachings by PayPal to donate at storder.org. Gashou.